Welcome to Medspectives, the podcast about healthcare professionals, the stories of their practice, and the diverse perspectives into the world around us. I'm your host, Arvind Rajan, and today's episode is actually not about health professionals, the stories of their practice, or the diverse perspectives, but I just wanted to try something new on the show. So I reached out to my friend Tyler, who is a fellow pre-med that I went to school with. I remember we met at a science fair and we just started talking about surgery and medicine and we've been best friends ever since and I just thought he'd be awesome on the podcast. Today we talk about arguably the greatest scientific and medical innovation ever, CRISPR. For those who aren't familiar with it, CRISPR is basically a tool that lets you edit people's genes. You can basically treat any condition from sickle cell disease to maybe one day diabetes by just cutting out and replacing the right genes. It's in the very early stages right now for clinical use, but one day in the not so distant future, we'll be able to edit these conditions. Tyler did research with CRISPR and knows way more than I do about it, and he shares the countless applications of it, including self-repairing concrete, ending hunger, making antibiotics, and more. We also talk about the ethical considerations for which there are many. This was a really fun talk and I hope you enjoy. Today, we're here with Tyler Owens, one of my great friends from university, and I've known him for, how long has it been, Tyler? Um, two years. Two years? Two years. It's felt like longer, though. I think it's just because the pandemic just feels like it, it just makes everything longer. Yeah, we've been through a lot. We've been through a lot together yeah. since we met at that science fair. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was a good time. And I, you never knew, I mean, I never knew back then where that conversation would have gone. And, you know, I'm glad to glad to say that we're here today doing this podcast. Yeah, it went pretty well. I'm, yeah, I'm glad to be here, Arvin. And so today what we're talking about um, is the greatest scientific discovery ever. Yeah, potentially. Potentially. I, yeah. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, so we're, we're talking about CRISPR. Um, which, uh, you know, I don't know why they came up with an acronym for it because um, it stands for Clustered Regularly Interspaced Short Palindromic Repeats. Yeah. Um, so it's a bit of a mouthful. But um, it's regarded by a lot of people as potentially the, the biggest discovery of all time or at least in, you know, in this century so far. Right. And like I remember learning about it in like in high school biology, you know, we kind of talked about it briefly and like it's been around since what like nine two thousand i can't remember exactly so it its capacity to be used as a tool uh began in late 2011 early 2012. okay um, right which is when um emmanuel charpentier and jennifer doudna um worked together to to really realize its potential but Really, CRISPR as the system has been around for millions, if not billions of years. Um, it, is, it is part of an ancient bacterial immune system that, that protects bacteria from, from viruses. But it, just now its potential as a tool is being realized. Right. So in talking about very oversimplified, very basic essence of what CRISPR is, um, and correct me like if, I, if I'm wrong, it's basically you're just cutting out a sequence of, let's say, like bad DNA, right? So some part that that's wrong, there's a defect. Um, and so you're cutting that part out and you're replacing it with the correct sequence or whatever sequence you want to put in. Is so that, that is one use of it. That is definitely one use of it. But 
um, it can do a lot more than just cutting out and, and replacing. Um, it It's essentially molecular scissors. So you can do more than just cut out a bad gene and put in a new one. Um, you can do things like chop up a genome entirely and, and destroy it, um, which has some really interesting applications. Um, you can also just remove genes, which is what um, my lab used to do at, at ECU. Um, there, there's really a lot that you can do with it. And I think, you know, because we're medical people, we like to think about these medical applications, but really there are, the applications extend well beyond medicine. Right. And it's it's interesting to think about how, how long it's been since its inception, right? Like it's been almost a decade now. And um, like you were saying with the medical innovations, those have been relatively recent when, when you're, when, you know, you're talking about using it in laboratory settings and, and things like that. Those kind of things have been, have been in use for quite a number of years now. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. We, we have been using it in labs since it became available. Um, one of the really nice things is that it's, it's cheap and easy to use. You know, we, this is not the first time we've been able to edit genomes. Right. Um, you know, we've been, we've had tools like zinc finger nucleases for a while, but they are essentially completely impractical for, for endless uses that we can now use CRISPR for. Um, right. Using using zinc finger nucleases, um, we'll just call them ZNS, um, for the kind of things we were doing at ECU would not be practical. Right, right. And it's, I mean, I think especially like it's it's been coming into the limelight a lot more. You know, CRISPR has been like a buzzword in, in for a while now, but, and we, we talked about this a little bit before, but, you know, you were telling me about how this last year in 2020 was the first time, you know, it's been, it's been really used in a clinical setting very successfully. And I think, you know, with the pandemic, it, it's been hard to look at other medical innovations, you know, that have happened because of, because of the, you know, unforeseen circumstances and the crazy things that are already going on. But, it's it's crazy to think, right? Like how, you know, just just to uh, r- remind everyone, like what what exactly was that clinical trial that we we did? So the first U.S. based clinical trial that that's had real success is this um, sickle cell uh, treatment. So this isn't uh, CRISPR being d- directly injected into the body or anything like that. So we're not editing the person's cells while they're in their body. Um, These are cells that were modified outside the body and then introduced into the patient so that they could work effectively. Um, Sickle cell anemia, of course, is a disorder where a single nucleotide, a single single letter in the DNA actually um, is wrong. And this causes uh, blood cells to be misshapen because one of the important molecules in them is misshapen as well. Um, and that can cause uh, life-threatening and, and really just debilitating uh, symptoms associated with that disease. I, I have a close friend who, who has it, and he was fortunate enough to have a bone marrow transplant, but not everyone can have that. Um, so, yeah, uh, this year or last year, um, we did have that successful clinical trial. And last I heard uh, the patient, she is... She, she has essentially negligible symptoms um, or, or they're, they're alleviated to a great degree. 
which is so exciting. Yeah, um, that's but insane. You're, you're right about the pandemic, though. I thought, you know, that when we first got our first CRISPR, um, our first successful CRISPR treatment, that's all we'd be talking about in, in medicine. But uh, the pandemic has a way of stealing the spotlight. Right. And I mean, not, not to like discredit, you know, the, the scientific innovation that came out of the pandemic either, because like, it, it is crazy in that sense to also think about like the, the new vaccines or the new technology they're putting into them. Oh my gosh. But yeah. it, it, it's just so crazy to think of all these innovations that have happened so recently. Like, can you imagine, like, I don't know, by the time we're like 50 or something to think about how developed, you know, not only CRISPR will be, but you know, vaccines and the fact that like, I, I mean, this is the universal thing that we're seeing, right? Like with the, with the vaccines are, they are mRNA based where they are literally teaching the body through like basically a code on how to make something to fight mm-hmm. the virus, right? Very basic. And, and thinking about the future of like scientific um, progress in medicine, right? Like treating these conditions, it feels like we're moving towards a time where we're just going to be like recoding things that went wrong and then like just replacing with the proper code. Yeah. Um, and I think in the, in the deep future, it's, it's even more exciting. Um, there, so one thing I think that we forget sometimes is that scientific progress doesn't happen in a linear fashion. Um, it's very much an exponential growth. Right. Um, as each innovation happens, we get more and more. So some people say, oh, CRISPR can't miss though, you know? Um, but I'd like to mention that our current CRISPR, our current cast proteins might not be able to do that, but we are improving cast proteins. Um, back in, uh, I guess it would be 2018, uh, I read a paper about a CRISPR that um, it essentially had a lock on it. Uh, the lock would be cleaved, uh, part of the protein. You can think of the cast protein as the scissors of the CRISPR system, um, would be cleaved if there was a certain molecule present. So what you could do is administer the CRISPR system to a cell and it wouldn't edit the genome unless there was a certain molecule present. So mm. imagine, imagine this, um, and the, the authors tried this on um, corn, tobacco, some, some crop um, that, that a virus was destroying. So whenever there was a viral protein or a viral molecule inside the cell, it would activate the cast protein to cut out the viral DNA. So in this sense, the vaccine doesn't do anything until there's a virus there. Now, we lose billions, if not trillions of dollars of crops every year to to viruses like this. So this is applicable directly in the way that the authors stated. But imagine if we had some kind of similar sensor for um, cancer markers, where the Cas protein said, okay, this is cancer, and then cuts out all the damaged DNA and replaces it with new DNA. That's still way in the future. There's a lot of complicated things to think about there, but um, yeah, the cast proteins can be improved greatly. So um, I think we're looking at an exponential growth in, in the capabilities of the CRISPR system. Right, that's, dude, that's, that's just crazy to think about. Like 
the you number of applications like you're 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 limitless yeah we're i yeah i, I think it's actually fair to say <laughs> yeah. i don't want to you, can, you like, can change anything like you can change anything that you, you know, i mean we're, we're coded by the dna and if you change the dna you can change any part of us you know yeah theoretically yeah theoretically theoretically yes tons of practical barriers i mean we couldn't even today do something like change a baby's eye color Mm. Uh, maybe even change it but not in a predictable way um like but in the deep future theoretically anything can happen that's one of the problems with explaining crispr is like what are its uses um what are not its uses it, it is limitless. It's a bit like discovering electricity, right? Like uh, there's there's so much we don't even know what to do with it. Yeah. I mean, we could, um, you know, you could do everything from designer crops like oranges that taste like um, orange cream ice cream just by, you know, adding vanilla genes in there or something like that, all the way to just completely eliminating uh, disease. That see that's it's 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 concerning, you know. It's like it's it looks like you can possibly progress into a sort of utopia state where you're like, oh, we got these these crops that provide you with every single nutrient you possibly need to survive. Just eat this one one thing, and it tastes like vanilla ice or it tastes like cookies and cream or something like that, you know. And it's just like, <laughs> what what else would you want? You know, like you, you have everything <laughs> that you want in that, in that food. And then you kind of think about these utopian novels and think life is becoming that. I don't know. That's, that's just it's kind of sidetracked, but. I, I, I mean, I think, I think your head's in the similar place of, of a lot of geneticists, actually. I, the, I first heard of the movie Gattaca, mm-hmm. um, which is a movie about, um, I think it's like Uma Thurman. Uh, they're genetically modified people or um, or is it, they like check their genes when they're first born and they can tell them everything that they'll ever do yeah. in their life, basically. Um, but I first heard about that movie from uh, Jennifer Doudna, one of the inventors oh. of, of CRISPR. That's where I first heard it because she was talking about that. Um, and now if you search CRISPR on, on YouTube or something, you know, you'll get lists and lists of we'll be we'll have designer babies soon and um you'll be able to live to ten thousand years old before you know it you know um it, there's there's a lot of potential for sci-fi stuff um and it's becoming difficult to discern what is going to be sci-fi and what's not just because the scope of crispr is so wide right and you you said something you said this earlier the the aspect of crispr being easy to do right like it's relatively easy to do and that ease of access also you know at, at a point where maybe in a couple of years in the future where we'll have a little bit more information about it and having that information accessible to anyone that chooses to read it is kind of scary yeah it's terrifying yeah because what's stopping people from like you know spending a couple million dollars starting their own little lab on some remote island or something oh you don't like do you don't need a couple hundred dollars. I mean, you don't need a couple million dollars. You can buy a CRISPR kit off eBay for several hundred dollars. Um, CRISPR is incredibly cheap. Just, I mean, you could start doing it at home. 
it's it's difficult to do well. Mm-hmm. It is very easy for someone, you know, with the background to start doing it. Um, and yeah, the cat's sort of out of the bag. That's one yeah. of the issues um, is that pretty much anyone can do it. Uh, I saw some guy that like injected himself with his own CRISPR treatment. He's actually oh sells that sells the CRISPR kits. Um, but yeah, potentially anyone can do this. And, um, you know, legally you need a, a, an ethical committee, but nothing's stopping some crazy people from CRISPRing their dogs. Uh, uh, it won't work, you know, but they can try. Um, now at the higher level, if you're talking about people with own personal interests, you know, um, people who have studied this and actually understand how to use it effectively. Yeah. People can do a lot of unethical stuff if they want to. We saw that right. in China in 2018 with Hei Zhang Kui, um, who made germline edits to embryos um, and, and whether or not there was any informed consent to the mother is still debated as far as I can tell. But yeah. I, I, I did not hear that. That's crazy. He had no okay. Like no one gave him the okay to, yeah. to, edit, um, to edit those babies. Uh, and yeah you you can see it in the future like actually today there might already be so many people doing this yeah um you know Doudna and uh um and others have admit that people often contact them asking if their babies can be edited or if they can prevent some disease by letting them use CRISPR or doing CRISPR on them if other people can do it, then they might be doing that. And in the future, somebody is certainly going to use CRISPR in unethical ways. Um, yeah. And this reminds me of, I mean, this is completely on an, uh, on a very uh, devil's advocate kind of viewpoint. Um, yeah. Thinking, you know, of course, we got to get all the perspectives in, in regards to this. But there were the Holocaust testings. Right. Mm-hmm. Just right. the twin studies, people were, were just a little overview. People were, were testing or um, the Nazis were testing twins and they were testing all kinds of crazy things like cutting off arms from, from people, then s- attaching them back onto, you know, their, their twins armor or things like that. They were trying to attach twins, like all kinds of um, very, very inhumane experiments. And of course, this wasn't a time where, it was harder to regulate a lot of these things and it was much easier to perform, you know, activities like these than, than it is now. But it's not to say that in the future, like it's impossible. And with the power of something like CRISPR being able to literally edit genes, what's stopping someone from, well, I mean, there are things stopping them, but what is, what is preventing the outcome of, you know, someone using this technology for doing something like that? And the answer is there, there really is. It's difficult to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's exactly, exactly the case. Um, I think that overall the scientific community has been appropriately apprehensive. Right. Um, 
there's there's a lot of resistance um and to gene editing in general there has been a lot of resistance um partially because of of terrible things that happened in, in the well in 2000 um you know we we've been gene editing's reputation that has been damaged uh, that's certainly true and crispr is a scary thing because of how powerful it is but I also think it's important to think about how important it is that we keep moving forward. Right. Um, I, I think that Heijong Kue, um, the researcher who, who edited uh, those babies in China, um, felt that. I think that though what he did is extremely wrong, he just desperately wanted to move forward. We must make sure that we move forward when it's appropriate when it's approved and ethical, because if we make a mistake, um, like we have in the past with gene editing, and someone dies unnecessarily, we will likely shut all of this down. When we had the, the tragedy in 2000, where uh, a young man was, was killed by a poorly designed, um, gene therapy trial it paralyzed gene editing for 20 years you know nearly 20 years if we do that again if we move forward when we're not ready and something terrible happens we may paralyze the most powerful technology in the world for decades and just just think about how many lives are, are lost there you know like how many lives can we save if we genetically engineer um, a new crop that can prevent famine throughout the world, you know, things like that. If we stop that, then that's a lot more damaging than just the single life lost from a poor treatment. Yeah. It just, it's just needs the utmost care and, and carefulness. Uh, I'm, I'm curious. Well, how do you think we should, we should manage that? Should we yes. have like one central board uh, of like 50 ethicists that argue about it until they reach a conclusion? What, what should we do? I mean, we could have a whole episode just about this one question, but what do you think? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's a hard question. I think that's what's stumping, you know, and, and making it so difficult for people to decide because there are just so many pros, but there are just so many cons. And, and I, I will come back to your question, but this just reminds me a lot about AI, you know, like, I mean, I was listening to um, an episode um, of the Joe Rogan podcast with Elon Musk, and they were, they were talking about AI a lot. And I was talking um, to my friend about this. And it's scary to think about how powerful AI can get. And if we don't move carefully, we will have the same consequences as this, maybe even greater, who knows, and, and the power of technologies like these are, are just completely paralleled, right? Like AI has a, has infinite possibilities in all kinds of applications. Mm -hmm. Same thing with CRISPR has infinite applications in infinite scenarios. And when you discover something this powerful, it's so hard to make the right steps all the time. And it's, it's hard, right? I mean, you have a lot of people, right? You can fit a hundred people in a room. You could fit, 200 people in a room, bioethicists talking about, about CRISPR and, and what they should do. 
but there will always be differing opinions. You know, some people might say that, I mean, I think it's universally agreeable that people would like it to be used in medical treatment, right? Like it makes complete sense um, mm -hmm. to treat conditions like sickle cell and, and other genetic conditions like that. But how do you effectively draw the line between doing that and then also being accountable for any changes that you make in the genome, you know, like of a person in particular, right? Like you, someone is born in a particular way and then you got to actually be accountable for the change that you make in that person's genome. I don't know. It's just, it's just interesting to think about where, you know, there might be someone that, that is, you know, has all these defects and they would traditionally, if they were, um, delivered and you know they grew up they would have multiple living they would be living with multiple defects if you went in you know before they were born and changed um a lot of this a lot of these genetics in the beginning how do you stay accountable for all these changes that you're you're, you're making in the future yeah i don't know for generations for generations yes because you're, you're you are effectively eliminating like a genetic condition that has been passed down through generations. Yeah, if you make that that germline, yeah. uh, that germline edit. Um, yeah, do you, do you think it's worth talking about the uh, the difference between germline and, and somatic edits? Do you think your listeners? Yeah, no, I think that is important because, I, like, what I was talking about was germline, and and I think it's important to talk about those two. So, so yeah, do you wanna do you wanna do you have an analogy or anything? I know you're good at um, So, uh, I I think I think this is a, a just a graspable concept straight up. Yeah. Um, you're you're made of, of many trillions of cells, and uh, almost all of them are what we call somatic cells or body cells, um, and your egg or sperm cells um, are your germline cells. So when you are an adult making a germline edit can only happen to your offspring essentially because you are editing either their sperm or their egg um, or you can edit you can also edit an embryo so in an embryo any change you make is going to be a germline edit because all the cells that grow and divide from that singular embryo are going to have those changes which means that person's eggs and sperm will also have those changes, which means every single one of their offspring is also going to have the changes that you made. Um, which means that generations are immediately affected by any change you make there. Um, right. And so you're stopping, you can potentially stop a condition from being passed down, like you said, from generations. And you're, you're just kind of cutting something that's been passed on for multiple years, whether it's a disease or, or any other condition and yeah. just ending it. Yeah. And that, that becomes especially complicated when, you know, you were talking about the, the, where do you draw that line? So I, I think one example of draw that line between enhancement and disease, you know, something like sickle cell is a disease and we don't want anybody to have it. So we fix that. Um, you know, it, say there's a family that's born with um, osteoporosis, 
um, you know, where everyone in this family has a mutation that makes their bones weaker. What if we made their bones super strong so that they didn't um, have this issue? You know, that would still be a disease, I think it's fair to say. Mm. Then what if you you talk about something like, um, you know, cancer? Uh, if there's a, someone has a gene that is makes them more susceptible to, to a certain cancer, what if we can go in there and just prevent them from ever getting any cancer, making them extremely resistant to all of them? Have you prevented a disease or have you made an enhancement um, mm. that uh, that makes these people better off? I mean, then there's the social stratification issue that follows that. This is where I'm talking about the generational thing. Now, every one of these person's descendants um, is essentially immune to cancer in this hypothetical scenario. Um, if certain groups of people who have more resources and more access to these treatments all get this cancer prevention, then you can have an entire section of society that doesn't have to worry about cancer, doesn't have to pay for cancer treatments, um, doesn't have to avoid certain things that can cause cancer. You know, they can work in other kinds of places that other people can't. All of these different issues. It, and, and that's a big problem. Now, what started out as, can we prevent cancer, mm -hmm. has turned into an issue of an entire section of society having a genetic advantage over the others. Right. And that, that's a really good point you bring up because it's with cancer, like you have genes that if, if mutated a particular way can increase your chance, right, for cancer. But it's not like you will have cancer. Right. And it's, I'm not sure if you, if you know more specifics about this, but are there these particular genes that, you know, maybe increase your chance for cancer that also code for different aspects of that person? Yeah. Yeah. There totally are. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're uh, associated with breast cancer. There are... Um, you know, there are hormone receptors that if if you have different variants of make you far more likely to have um, cancer or not have cancer. And so if you change those, right, how does that affect those hormone functions? Are you changing something about the person other than the cancer? Mm. Other than preventing the cancer. But also, I think that one point that it's like uh, the babies that were um, Nana and Lulu, I think is what they're called. Um, the babies that were uh, edited in China, their father had HIV and the edit was to prevent them from getting HIV. Mm. So I think the general consensus is that this was an enhancement. There was no real risk of these babies getting HIV. They, they weren't going to have it. Um, that would be extremely unlikely. But it's certainly more gray than, you know, it's not black and white. This isn't like, it's not like you just gave them a, a straight up enhancement. This is to protect them from HIV, essentially. But yeah, there, there's, there's some gray area. Yeah, it's... And then you think about like metabolism, like 
if you're enhancing someone's metabolism to prevent conditions like di- like diabetes, obesity. I mean, obesity is very clearly proven to have implications and in increasing risk for cardiovascular disease, et cetera, et cetera. So basically, are you changing people's genes so that we end up with a population that has like entirely the same body type? I mean, it's it's interesting to think about like, are we moving indirectly towards uniformness? You know, people being one particular way because that's the way to go. It just, it's just, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, I'm just saying that the diabetes question is, is going to be one that, that happens. Um, or, you know, editing metabolism, like can, if we can prevent cardiovascular disease, you know, the most common cause of death in the United States, we probably should, right? Mm-hmm. But if preventing cardiovascular disease means making better, more in shape people, you're giving. <laughs> we can see where this is going. Yeah. Um, yeah. People are going to want this treatment, and people who can't afford it will be the ones to get it. I, I almost think there's no way to escape this so the social stratification issue. Any any one of these borderline enhancements, as soon as as soon as people can afford it, it's it's going to fall into the hands of some groups of people more than others. Right. Um, and and right now, I I think, and I'm happy to say that I think the majority of the world has reached a consensus that everyone's equal, you know, born equal. Um, but if you can make direct edits to make your genes better, then I mean. Imagine what what a terrifying situation that is, where some people have quantitative, I'm throwing up air quotes here, um, proof that they're better because they've enhanced themselves. Yeah, you're creating a whole other system of, what would you call, call, even call it, some kind of of ism, I feel like. Yeah, Uh, massive inequality, we'll go with that. Massive, yeah, I mean. Uh, No, there's, (laughs) genism. (laughs) It's genism. genism. It's genism. Yeah, yeah. You can imagine. You can easily imagine like a sci-fi universe where, um, you know, oh, don't talk to that guy. He's not edited. You know, he's a. I don't know what you call that. Yeah, dude. You know, we should make a short film about uh, yeah. CRISPR in like two thousand and I don't know two hundred or something, dude. That'd be so cool. Yeah, yeah. You look enhanced, Darwin. You you look like you you've been given some genes. Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate that. I mean, should I appreciate that? <laughs> like, <laughs> so that's yeah, question. yeah, that's a compliment. But uh, but yeah, like seriously, like I feel like that's the next thing. We had like Gattaca come out, right? The movie about. I remember that. Like, I didn't watch the whole movie, but I remember that first scene. They take the little kid's blood and they literally tell the whole history of that kid. And to yeah. think about. Now we have more solid evidence of something kind of similar to that. We're going to have, I feel like, even more movies talking about. Oh, yeah. I watched, like, a Dwayne Johnson movie. Yeah. What was it called? It was, like, Rampage. I think it was Rampage. Had, like, giant, it was, like, Dwayne Johnson versus giant albino gorilla versus (laughs) giant crocodile. Um, But it was all CRISPR. CRISPR caused all of it. You know, um, imagine how excited I was. 
when, when in the movie it starts out and it's just like crisper cast non that's how it started out i was like Wait, there was a movie that yeah this, this, was, this is an actual movie, movie? about this yeah it's seriously totally nuts. it's to the listeners of this podcast do not take any science from it there's no there's none but um <laughs> yeah it's like a a capsule of crisper like lands next to a um a rare albino gorilla and he grows to the size of a skyscraper and um you know Dwayne Johnson has to to fight him stuff like that <laughs> that sounds like a very rock movie but yeah 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 um the, the the person I went with was really excited to hear me talk about how inaccurate cr- the crisper part of the movie was for the next hour and a half. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but it's already happening. Um, yeah, I saw some clip where it, it was like a a movie with Vladimir Putin explaining that he, they're going to use CRISPR to make super soldiers. Mm. Uh, gosh, we really could do a a whole episode on on um the ethical issues of CRISPR. Yeah. I mean I feel like we've we've talked about that for a majority of this episode even. Like it's just I mean movies are gonna continue to test it too. Like we're not definitely this is not the end of CRISPR movies. Like it's it's crazy. Yeah. I wonder if any of them will be right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean there's always a degree of truth. And then a degree of something that just makes it fun to watch. And yeah, a degree of, of giant killer crocodiles. Yeah. 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 I mean, like the, the thinking though, like, y- y- have you watched the movie Outbreak? I mean, you probably have. The, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful movie. For those who haven't watched it, it's basically a movie of 2020. Um, <laughs> <laughs> basically, what happened in 2020 is in that movie about a pandemic do you remember when that, that movie was made no one wears masks you know yeah. ever noticed that in these, yeah. these crazy like this disease kills you in like 20 minutes or turns you into a zombie or something in these movies. and it mutated like super no fast. one wears a mask <laughs> people just go yeah yeah and they made the they made the vaccine in what like like very very quick period of time hey yeah can we give a quick shout out to um to the the creators of the vaccines for covid yeah the quickest vaccine ever before this took four years and that was incredible and they did this in one yeah insane absolutely unbelievable um credit to them yeah and and it's it's really cool though that they're they're also using new technology for it you know so like not only are we just like rushing a vaccine and you know, using and making sure it's very efficient and and, and useful, we're and propelling, huh? And safe. safe and safe. Yeah, we're propelling a technology that is the future of vaccines. Yeah, I'm interested to see where mRNA vaccines will will go from here. Yeah, um, theoretically, could you? I mean, you probably couldn't, but like, would you be able to put like multiple strands of mRNA of different? conditions different diseases into one vaccine and have it like as one shot i don't know yeah yeah i mean we we can do that with traditional vaccines oh right they have uh, the the detap yeah mm mmr yeah mmr is a good one which is a great vaccine and um people should keep taking that and not it doesn't cause autism yeah for the record for sure yeah, it's it's amazing. We almost wiped out um, 
measles and now it's it's coming back yeah because people were just not taking it as much people yeah. get comfortable too early i think yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm scared for the pandemic dude like because right now you know people are staying safe and stuff but like if you see the numbers like the numbers are going down and people are going to start looking at that once it hits like a pretty low point and they're going to be like ah yeah numbers are down you know and it's it's a scary thought yeah let's just get vaccinated yeah yeah um good good talking though good i think um i think by the time we're practicing we're gonna have another episode on the podcast updating on CRISPR and just <laughs> reminisce on this episode and be like two months a few interesting uses that I, I thought I had had to share. Um, first, editing food. Um, we, we can raise the carrying capacity of the earth unbelievably by making drought resistant, faster growing, healthier crops. Yeah. And grow, like develop plants that can be grown on like Mars and then we'll eventually yeah. get over there too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we should do an episode on Mars life actually. That would be great. Um, <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah. Maybe Elon Musk. Yeah, that that one's that one's deep future, but in the it soon like, I mean, yeah. Also, just like the fun part of science, where we make bananas the the size of, um, you know, basketballs, just uh, <laughs> oranges the size of basketballs. How yeah. about that? Um, we we've got curing disease, especially diseases that have small mutations. Huntington's disease, which is a horrible disease is i think looking at its end um as a result of crispr and and sickle cell disease as well and beta thalassemia which is another blood-based disease um r- recently there's been researchers looking into using crispr as an antibiotic that would be very very difficult to build resistance to so what they do is they train the CRISPR to cut up its own DNA. So they, what they do is they give a virus, uh, a plasmid containing the, um, the bacteria's DNA, mm-hmm. so that when the bacteria gets infected, it goes, oh no. Okay, well that's the target DNA. We need to cut that out, but it's its own DNA. So it chops up its own DNA into a million little pieces and dies. Um, and it would be extremely difficult to prevent or, or to uh, develop resistance against that because you're cutting up your own DNA. Right. Um, another thing is storing data into the computer science world. Um, it's crazy to think about what AI might be able to do with this. But you can store because instead of using bits, ones and zeros, you have four different letters, you know, Um a, T, C, and G uh, to store data on, you can store an unbelievable amount of data on a strand of DNA. Just factors upon factors more data in just a single molecule. Um, and so we're, we're looking at huge storage increases, uh, possibly using CRISPR. Um, there's also gene drives. Um, I encourage the listener to look that up. I'm not going to explain it here, but uh, essentially we could get rid of mosquitoes if we wanted to. 
Um, there's also self-healing concrete, things like that. Self-healing no, concrete. Well, we've already developed some basic self-healing concrete that uses microbes um, mm -hmm. embedded in the concrete that can secrete certain things to, to make the concrete self-heal. But just think about the applications that, that CRISPR could have there. If we can edit directly um, these microbes to give them new, unused, uh, you know, non-biological functions. I mean, we're, we're looking at a whole new world of material science, um, and it's all because of CRISPR. Is there anything that CRISPR doesn't do? <laughs> the possibilities are endless. Yep. That's crazy, though. I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of speechless, dude, because, like, it's one thing to talk about CRISPR, but then it's another thing to really think about every single application and have examples of them down. You know, I, I appreciate all the research you did on, on, on this. Um, you know, it, it's, it's really mind blowing to see what exactly it can do and the specifics of it. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, so that's, I think we'll wrap up or talk about CRISPR there. Um, well, uh, Tyler, thank you. Thank you for doing this for today. Um, and, and yeah, it was a lot of fun, man. Thank, thanks so much. Hope I can come back, talk about yeah. other cool science. Of course. I hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation and thank you so much for listening. If you love Mitzvectives, be sure to follow us on Spotify, drop us a review on Apple Podcasts, and share this podcast with your friends. It really helps us grow and I'd really appreciate it. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next Monday.